Hello, this is David Menzies. You are about to listen to my audio-only broadcast of my Rebel News show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are Avi Yamini and Sheila Gunn-Reed. Now, if you'd like to see the full video version, then why not subscribe to Rebel News Plus? You'll get my weekly Rebel Roundup show, as well as The Gun Show, hosted by Sheila Gunn-Reed, and of course, the daily Ezra Levant Show. It's only $8 a month or $80 per year. And you can even try it out for seven days for free. Thank you so much. And now, enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, you'd think it would be tough enough surviving this pandemic if you were homeless and living in your car, but, well, when it comes to the police down under, we got a story of a homeless person that was given a $1,000 ticket because, well, he had no home to go home to. Avi Yamini shall explain all. Unbelievable. Even during a pandemic and even during an economic smackdown, the Justin Trudeau Liberals are still going ahead with banning various single-use plastics, <laughs> as if our lives weren't miserable enough already, eh? Sheila Gunn-Reed will have all the details. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. I'll share some of your responses regarding my visit to a loony leftist protest against fighter jets? Yeah, apparently these planes aren't green enough for their liking. Say, is that a cuckoo bird I hear chiming in the background right now? Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Avi Amini here from the world's capital of COVID enforcement. We're in the state of Victoria where 20,000 fines for COVID breaches have already been issued. Now, since we launched fightthefines.com.au, we've been inundated with outrageous stories, but none more outrageous than the one you're about to hear. Daniel Wright grew up locally to Mornington Peninsula, but due to circumstances, not by choice, he's been living in his car. Daniel Wright was here on this corner on the 10th of August when he was pulled over by two Victoria police officers and fined $1,650 for essentially being homeless because they say he was breaching the COVID curfew by being in his car, which is where he sleeps. He tried to explain that to the officers who were not having a bar of it. Daniel's story came through fightthefines.com.au and when I saw it, I was outraged and I knew I had to share it with you and I know you're going to share it with everyone and together we're going to crowdfund to fight for his case. So fightthefines.com.au, share Daniel's story. I haven't had my own place for four years at the moment, which is way too long for me. I'm like really starting to get stressed. I've had back surgery and it just doesn't help being where I'm at. So is this... Is this a life choice? Are you doing this because you want to sleep in your car? No, No, not at all. So how does it feel then getting pulled up for breaching curfew, which means that you were outside of your house, 
while being in the place that you sleep at night, I not by like choice. I being picked on. I felt like they were bullying me. They got out of the car and then started asking me, why am I out of my house after curfew? Like I explained to them, this is my house. I'm living here. I don't understand what they mean, how am I out of my house? This is your last resort. You don't have anywhere else. It's, that's, that's what correct. people yeah. people need to understand. And you made that clear to the cops that night? Yeah, 100% clear. Yeah. It's quite clear that I live in my car. There's all the clothes in the boot, there's blankets in the back. I felt they were very heartless in the way they treated me. And then they said, well, you're on your license. Is this address? You must be at this address. Now correct. your ID has your mum's address. address. On it. Yep. And has since I got my learner's permit because I can't read and write. So it's always been at that address. It's never ever changed. And that's the basis of their argument. Your home address, yeah. you weren't there, but it hasn't been your home for how many years? For, uh, since I was 16 years old, and I'm now 38. I've told you before off camera, I've kept, I've spent a couple nights in my life as a kid, as a young teenager on the street, and I don't wish that upon my no, yeah, worst not. enemies. So, but I couldn't imagine being fined for for sleeping in the last place I want to sleep. No, yeah, it's not fun at all to be fined for sleeping somewhere. It's not comfortable, cold, plus you've got idiots that want to come up and do stuff. You know, you feel threatened and scared anyway as you're out there, but I'd much rather be in a house where I don't have to worry. You know, I'm sure everyone would rather be in a house and be somewhere where they can park their car up and then they can just go inside and relax. If you pay that fine, then you're going to be homeless for longer because half the money you've saved to get a home is gone. Yeah, over half the money because it's 1650 I have $3,000 there to get a place. Well, guess what? You're not going to have to do that because everybody at home is going to watch this and they're going to crowdfund your defence to fight that fine. And you've got Madeline, who you've already spoken to, who I can tell you firsthand is a gun lawyer. She's won every single personal, my criminal cases that, that um, were politically motivated until now. She's won seven of them for me. So you are in brilliant hands. Yep. How do you feel about that? I um, feel pretty blessed. Um, and I thank you and everyone for all their help because, yeah, it's it's very helpful because been to court before and you know they don't really listen to you and to pay for a lawyer I don't know how much it's going to cost but I'm sure it's going to be a, you know a couple of thousand dollars. It's going to be far more than the fine but that, this is why people want to jump in because it's we, we could just pay the fine we could crowdfund just the fine but I think it's the principle here. Yeah, it's not the point. So riddle me this folks how can you go home when your home happens to be a car, a car that you are residing in. That is indeed the case with Daniel Wright, a man due to some unfortunate circumstances is down on his luck and is living in his car. And they say, don't kick a man when he's down. Well, apparently some members of the Melbourne Police Service, they've never heard of that old adage. And as you saw, they gave Daniel a fine of $1,650. Absolutely shameful. And with more on the Daniel Wright case, I am joined by our man down under, Avi Amini. How are you doing, Avi? G'day, mate. How are we going? Oh, it's going great. You know, Avi, I, I got to tell you, I was truly moved by this story, especially since when you look at Daniel, he's so humble, he's so good-natured, he came across to me as a very gentle soul. And I'm scratching my head, Avi, 
what exactly did he do that was wrong and how did his actions put anybody in that city in any kind of danger due to the Wuhan virus? It doesn't. It's absurd. The whole idea that um, this is for our protection, to protect the community from the spread of coronavirus, um, it, it obviously isn't. A man in his car um, who lives there alone at midnight where there's no other cars on the road. And it's something that we're seeing uh, here on a daily basis where um, people who are on their own doing whatever they're doing, whether they're in their car, whether they're holding a up, whatever they're doing, they're alone until police approach <laughs> and break that 1.5 metres of social distancing. It, so... Um, you know, it, there's no logic to it. It makes no sense. And it's just revenue raising at the most disgraceful level. You know, Avi, it reminds me of the story in um, New Brunswick involving the senior Walter Matheson. Uh, that was a great story done by our colleague Sheila Gunn-Reed. And here is a senior citizen in his car with the windows rolled up in a coffee shop parking lot in which he's the only car and therefore the only person and along comes a constable to give him a ticket because you know if he's hanging out there that might attract teenagers to the parking lot and then we have a social distancing problem like abby i don't know about you but yeah seniors having a coffee and a muffin in a cafe parking lot there's no bigger teenager magnet than that on the planet but to your point the biggest danger was when the officer got Walter to lower his window and came within that two-meter distance. I mean, Avi, this is insane. Is it, is it two meters in Canada? Because for us, uh, coronavirus only can spread in 1.5 meters. <laughs> must, be, must be down under. We have it's it's uh, less potent. But it's a, it's you know we're laughing about it, but it's not a funny matter. No. Daniel Wright is a man that's. You know, he's he's struggling in life as it is. Now, the last uh, through lockdown, he's managed to um, save almost three thousand dollars to get out of it. So when lockdown ends, because there's you can't inspect houses, so he can't even apply. You've got to inspect a house here. The, the rule, the law is you have to inspect a house to be able to apply for it. So you can't inspect a house. So you can't apply for it. So you can't move into a house. So he, he's stuck living in that car that he was fined living in um but in the meantime he's been you know while while it would have been easy probably to give up instead he's chosen to save up the money with the foresight that this is one day gonna end this hopefully this lockdown's going to end uh, no matter what the government wants and um then he's going to move into an you know he's going to take his money and he's going to apply and get and move into a home but what do they want they want $1,652 of that $3,000 that he's managed to save to get out of it. So essentially, the government wants to make him homeless for his own protection because they don't want him catching coronavirus. It's staggering and the irony is so perverse. But, you know, Avi, I want to make the point here. We're certainly not anti-cop at Rebel News. Quite the contrary. No and, and what some police forces are enduring right now uh it, it is absolutely horrible it's very tough to be a police officer so we're rooting for them but when i see things like this 
it, it almost makes it hard to root for the police. And it's not like this was one cop having a bad day. As you said in your report, this went to internal review. So here we have sober second thought, look at all the facts, weigh everything. And still they said, nope, the ticket is valid. What gives there, Abby? I think I think it's a toxic culture that comes from the top at the moment, especially here in the state of Victoria. Um, for, for a little while now, we've seen, you know, even before coronavirus hit, I was getting arrested at protests for my own safety. Yes. <laughs> I was being arrested at protests for interviewing, for doing my job. That's why we're going to the Supreme Court. But, you know, so that kind of mentality and policing has been growing. I think um, coronavirus has only sped up and exposed, I guess, to the wider public what's going on. I, I agree with you. I support, I back the blue. I always say that I back the blue, especially the cops on the beat that have to do the hard work. But it does get hard some days when um, they say that police have discretion, like in Daniel's case, where police have discretion to or not to find, but I also get the feeling that they have certain quotas they're meant to fill. Mm. You know, so some of these fines, and you'll see some of the fightthefines.com.au that have been coming through, you'll see that there there might be, you know, the masks ones are $225, but there's other ones that are $5,000. Wow. So, so, yes, um, uh, I, I have a feeling that it's a mix of, um, it's command who want to uh, make a point that they're in charge and they're enjoying their uh, police state. And uh, there's also uh, departments in the in the in in the police force that are, are are around revenue raising. You know, they've shut down the economy, so they're not going to be collecting as many taxes. How else are they going to be able to raise that money? They've uh, so far issued. I think it was sitting at about twenty five thousand infringements you know the numbers you raise a fascinating point here my friend and and it's this are the hearts of the police officers in melbourne are they truly in this kind of a draconian crackdown of the citizens or do you think that most police are saying uh hey mate this is not what i signed up for i wanted to get involved in law enforcement i wanted to rein in the bad guys i didn't want to be a glorified tax collector for the state i I, i'd say so i'd say most cops on the beat they um feel that way i'm the ones i've spoken to to privately certainly do um you know and and i think they've been saying that for a long time we had a problem here in victoria for probably the last five years now uh something i was advocating against from the beginning in fact i interviewed the first victims of what we call the youth gang crime um, which were mostly uh, made up of South Sudanese uh, um, and, and Somali immigrants or children of immigrants, these gangs that popped up uh, as soon as we opened our border. And, uh, you know, for five years, this lawlessness that sweeped across our state, they held our state hostage. And I was hearing from cops every single day telling me privately, Avi, keep pushing it, keep telling them because... This is not a racial, this is a a law and order issue. We've been told for political correctness that we can't actually police properly. And it, you know, it came out in this, in this pandemic, it's been highlighted on a number of levels because then we saw uh, when the Black Lives Matter protest 
uh, hit our shores here in Australia, something all the way from America, came here and tens of thousands of people were allowed to march on our streets. In fact, police officers took a knee here in Melbourne and only two weeks before that and numerous times after that, the world has seen how they've reacted to anti-lockdown protesters. Well, um, so, Abby, I, I think I think you might have this wrong. Uh, you might not have gotten the memo. The Wuhan virus is uh, very much into social justice. So if a bunch of BLM protesters get together, it knows very well not to infect those people. And as a matter of fact, Abby, I think you might have stumbled upon something. Maybe ignorance. Daniel Wright, uh, what he should have done is just thrown on a, sh- a T-shirt saying Black Lives Matter. I'm here as a matter of a protest. Maybe he wouldn't have gotten that fine. <laughs> the, the cops would have opened the door to take a knee. No worry. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's absurd. I, you know, <laughs> you asked me a year ago. I would not believe some of the stuff we're seeing. And. You, you know, it's interesting, the whole Fight the Fines campaign that you guys started there, and we've, Rebel News has now launched it in Australia at, at fightthefines.com.au, that um, just just having that has given us, or, or me and the lawyer as well, an opportunity to see the madness firsthand from people, stuff you will never hear in the mainstream news. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm actually really excited to be a part of that because we get the chance to not only expose what's happening, uh, the stories that most Australians and most of the world are interested in, but the media will never report. In fact, they'll never, they never look for them. And now we're not only going to report on them, we're going to be able to help them fight back. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, uh, Avi, and I can tell you, not just the media, but uh, organizations like the Civil Liberties Associations, which hey, I can tell they? you. Where are they all? Oh, they're, they're AWOL. I can tell you in, uh, in Canada, their main goal is to get as many prisoners out of the prisons so that social distancing uh, can be practiced. So uh, uh, just get your head around this irony. Here we're letting out people, including violent offenders, for social distancing reasons, Avi. But if you don't pay your Wuhan virus fine, you might end up in jail as a guy just down on his luck. Before we go, um, Avi, I got to say, if any of our viewers want to contribute to Daniel Wright's cause, it is fightthefines.com. Dot au and one last question um Abby, uh how is daniel doing i don't know have you reached out to him uh, yeah, since your touch aired? i think he was overwhelmed i don't i don't think he messaged me numerous times thanking me thanking god thanking all the rebels out there that have you know supported him through fightthefines.com.au and also all the kind messages on all on all the platforms the videos on on facebook youtube um, uh, even on the article in uh, on rebelnews.com, he's overwhelmed. He's been given also private uh, um, offers of um, support in other ways, and it's it's interesting because when people were offering him, uh, you know, food, and, and and he just he wrote back to them saying, I, "I really am humbled and I appreciate, but I don't I don't need that. I've saved up and I'm I'm getting out of this. You know, my problem here was the injustice." of this fine and through fightthefines.com.au we're getting out of that 
Well, Abby, it was an excellent piece. It was such a heartfelt piece. And I got to tell you, for other Australians uh, enduring this kind of nonsense, uh, we're, it's not in our nature to bend the knee here at Rebel News. We will take on their cases if indeed there's validity to them. And we have the website up and running once again, fightthefines.com.au. Thank you once again, Abby, and you have a wonderful weekend, Thanks, my friend. Thanks, mate. You too. Gotcha. See you later. Thank you. And that was Avi Yamini down under. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. When the pandemic hit, I think the world realized the so-called bad guy might actually be the hero we all need. You see, the world realized overnight that single-use plastics... Well, they kind of save lives. Plastic manufacturers ramped up production to help make disposable personal protective equipment for medical and personal use. They ramped up production of plastic bags. As grocery stores realized finally that handling other people's often dirty reusable grocery bags might be a point of coronavirus transmission. Municipalities even cancelled their own bans on plastic bags, something that had been a bit of a fad sweeping across the Western world lately. Plastic takeout containers and cutlery production was increased as restaurants moved towards takeout service just to keep their doors open and survive the lockdown. In fact, the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University studied the effects of the pandemic on plastic use and found this. 29% of study respondents feel they are buying more plastic packaged goods during COVID. Women are more likely than men to buy more plastics at 34% versus 25. Young people are particularly buying more with 47% of 18 to 25 year olds and 34% of 26 to 39 year olds reporting more plastic packaging consumption. Also, knowing environmental packaging could cost more, 50% of respondents are more price conscious since COVID, particularly those with lower incomes and those receiving CERB. Food safety concerns seem to be a determinant. As such, 55% of respondents are more concerned about food safety since COVID, particularly female, urban and respondents in BC and the Atlantic. Those are Trudeau voters, by the way. Female, urban, people from BC and the Atlantic, that's the liberal base. Now, when the virus struck, Plastics were there to make us safer. It's a fact. We all know this. And yet, even now, the Liberals are proceeding with their ban on single-use plastics. Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson reiterated the Liberals' plan in an announcement Wednesday morning. Here, just take a look. Today, I am very pleased to announce our government's approach to achieve zero plastic waste in Canada by 2030, a plan to keep plastic in our economy and out of our environment. This is a comprehensive approach that looks directly to address the most harmful single-use plastics while improving the way that we manage other plastics throughout their life cycle. Today we are releasing a discussion paper relating to the government's plan to address plastic pollution. One important part of this plan is a ban on harmful single-use plastics that have three key characteristics. They are harmful in the environment, they are difficult or costly to recycle, and there are readily available alternatives. The proposed ban will address plastic checkout bags, straws, stir sticks, six-pack rings, cutlery, and foodware made from hard-to-recycle plastics, particularly expanded polystyrene. 
Regulations with respect to this ban will be finalized by the end of 2021. When a ban comes into effect, your local stores will be providing you with alternatives to these plastic products, like reusable or plastic bags, or paper bags in place of plastic. The Liberals are still going to list single-use plastics as a Schedule One toxin, like lead, CFCs, and mercury. The plastic intubation tubing saving people's lives in hospitals right now, just as bad as asbestos, if you ask Justin Trudeau and his ridiculous environment minister, Jonathan Wilkinson. Well, folks, they say timing is everything, and with that in mind, could the push to punish plastic users be more ill-timed than right now? especially when we are trying to take all the proper safety measures in order to manage the Wuhan virus. Well, apparently not. Not if you're a Justin Trudeau liberal, that is, wherein virtue signaling always, always trumps doing the right thing. And joining me now to discuss this depressing and maddening story is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David, thanks for having me on the show. It is always a pleasure, as you know. Sheila, I am absolutely gobsmacked, quite frankly. Given the shite show that is 2020, you'd think that Justin Trudeau would park his pet projects that will hurt the economy while making consumers miserable. But I guess not, eh? Why is that? Because liberal bad ideas never take a holiday. They never take a break. (laughs) They never get quarantined. Um, Yeah, I mean, really, when the pandemic hit, it was single-use plastics that sort of stepped up and saved the day. As I said in my video, sometimes the bad guy, or what we think is the bad guy, actually ends up being the hero we all need. And that was single-use plastics. Uh, The plastics industry ramped up production um, in a way that, um, you know, supported uh, frontline healthcare workers, but then they ramped up production to do something else that helped another sector of the economy. They ramped up production of the very things that Justin Trudeau is banning right now, and that's uh, takeout containers, uh, plastic cutlery, um, stir sticks, the the things that restaurants use for takeout. And the reason that was important that they ramped up that production is most restaurants had to move to takeout. They couldn't have sit down during the, uh, who knows what Toronto's doing right now. But um, it, just in the very beginning of the quarantine, a lot of restaurants had to move strictly to takeout to keep their doors open, um, to try to hang on to their business. And luckily, the plastics industry was there to save the day. And then grocery stores suddenly realized that um these people bringing their own reusable grocery bags from home might be a point of contagion if you're concerned about contracting the coronavirus. Um, And so the plastics industry really stepped up during the pandemic. I I think many municipalities came to appreciate um, the plastic bag. It's been a fad in the Western world to ban the plastic bag. I don't know why. Uh, I think plastic bags might have saved the trees at some point. Um, And many municipalities who had banned them embraced plastic bags with open arms uh, during the pandemic. And yet, even after all that, knowing what we know about plastic and how it helped the world get through the pandemic, Justin Trudeau has moved to ban the very things that we needed to survive the pandemic. And, you know, Sheila, I kind of take exemption to the phrase single-use plastics because some of these categories, they are not single-use, 
Plastic bags, as you mentioned, when you go to the grocery store, I don't know anyone that brings their groceries back in a plastic bag, especially now that in a lot of jurisdictions you have to pay five or ten cents for the bag yeah. and then throw them right in the garbage. You do reuse them. I'll give you a quick story. The LCBO, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, their stores, I mean, there's a lot to criticize the LCBO about, but once upon a time, they had the best plastic bags in Canada, as far as I was concerned. Really good, thick plastic. To do their own virtue signaling, they eliminated those plastic bags to replace it with paper bags, which really works well, by the way, when you have a 40-ounce glass bottle of scotch yeah. and uh, it's raining. But that's besides the point. The thing is, Sheila, I have a few of those LCBO plastic bags from 15 years ago that I still use today to, you know, to typically to put my sweaty gym gear in when I'm done at the gym. So it's not even accurate to call some of these categories single-use plastic in the first place. And when we look at the three R's, uh, reuse, recycle, reduce, always the number one R, reuse, is the most important R. So. They're taking that away from us by making us use paper, which are indeed single use. Well, let me tell you, under my desk here, it's funny you bring that up. I have a garbage can uh, from the dollar store, actually, but I'm using a plastic bag from from the grocery store in it. Uh, I don't think like you, I know anybody who throws out plastic bags um, after they come home, they get turned into something else. And secondarily, um, they aren't really single-use plastic if you deal with them appropriately. As in, I'm pro-incineration. I'm pro-turning the locked fossil fuel energy inside of plastic and, and turning it into electricity through incineration. And they actually have a facility that does that, burns garbage for electricity in the lower mainland. That's actually where all of um, that garbage that was sent to the Philippines when we had to repatriate yeah. the garbage ship that's where they sent it. So even green Vancouver, green BC, they know that you can incinerate garbage cleanly and turn it into something useful. So again, it's not single use. You can use it to do something else. And Justin Trudeau is willing to nuke a good chunk of the plastics industry during the pandemic, during like at a time of unprecedented uh, economic strife and layoffs, people are on CERB, they're extending CERB, they're turning it into something else. The plastics industry in Canada is approaching like $40 billion. It's getting close to $40 billion in economic activity. I would estimate about half of that maybe is single use. And Justin Trudeau is willing to leave that on the table, the virtue signal. I mean, that's just insane. And by the way, Sheila, when it comes to incineration, I'm assuming that is heresy when it comes to the Justin Trudeau Liberals. They would never be open to that just based on, oh, I don't know, carbon emissions, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, of course they wouldn't. I mean, of course they wouldn't, except when incineration fixes Catherine McKenna's problem of <laughs> Canada shipping, uh, you know, sea uh, cans full of garbage to the Philippines and, you know, just out of sight, out of mind um, with Canada's uh, recycling problems. Um, then incineration is fine. Then she's bragging about bringing garbage home on a ship across the world to burn it back here. Then carbon emissions are not a consideration. But um, when it comes to unleashing the fossil fuel energy that's locked inside of plastic, that's a big no-no. You know, you hit upon another 
issue here, Sheila, and it is the hypocrisy of the left yet again. And again, I go back to 15 years ago or so when David Miller was the mayor of Toronto. He's now the head honcho of the WWF. Not the good WWF, folks, the one that, the ones that deal the with one wrestling. The one that made us change the name of wrestling. Yes. That's right. The, the, the animal one. And there was no landfill space in Toronto at the time. And the idea and it was a great idea, was to ship Toronto trash to Kirkland Lake via rail. And Kirkland Lake wanted it. It was a huge economic activity. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't believe in polluting others' um, uh, backyards, said the mayor. We're not going to do that. So what did they do instead? They trucked by garbage truck and container garbage to Michigan. So... Wait a minute, I thought you didn't want to pollute other people's backyards. Uh, I, I guess if they're American, it's okay to throw our, our trash there. Just like when it comes to the Philippines, it's okay to throw our trash there. Sheila, this is so hypocritical. It's off the charts. Well, and it's really pointless virtue signaling that makes Canadian lives more expensive and more inconvenient. Because I think it was Blacklocks that had a report that said, that uh, Canadian plastic accounts for just, I think it was four, tenth, four tenths of 1% of the garbage, the plastic waste that turns up in rivers and ocean shores around the world. We are, again, the way we are with carbon emissions, simply a statistical rounding error in the grand scheme of things. And yet Justin Trudeau steps up to solve a problem that we don't actually even play a role in making. It's the same thing over and over. And I suspect this is really just a proxy war on oil and gas. They've killed oil and gas upstream, or at least they're doing their best to uh, stick a pillow over its face and euthanize it in its bed, um, in its deathbed. But um, they've attacked oil and gas on the upstream side through uh, C69, onerous regulations, um, blocking pipelines. They're, I suspect, probably going to block a rail line that will carry oil and gas. They've done everything they can to stop upstream oil and gas. And so now they're moving downstream and they're going to kill the fruits of the oil and gas industry's labor. And that's where the plastics ban comes and, in. And Sheila, do we have an, an estimate on what this is going to cost the plastics industry? I mean, what the, what the damage is going to be when these bans are uh, Put in place? I think it'll probably nuke about half the plastics industry, and that's just my um, educated guesstimate. Uh, I think it's uh, they're approaching $40 billion in economic activity in the Canadian economy, and about half of that will probably disappear. I mean, this is an industry that employs thousands of people upstream, downstream, in manufacturing, in packaging, um, and let's not even consider the added costs to already struggling restaurants who are now going to have to buy the more expensive paper, bamboo, uh, the recycled paper um, packaging. I mean, that stuff can cost sometimes twice, three times as much as economical plastic. And, and Sheila, one last question. Even if this idea had merit, and I don't really think it does, why can't the Justin Trudeau Liberals say this was on the agenda, but the Wuhan virus, it was a curveball out of left field. It has decimated our economy. It has put millions of Canadians out of work. So for that reason, because of these 
truly exceptional circumstances, we're not implementing this now. We're going to put it on the back burner. When things get better, then we can have another look at it. I think that's a win for them, even for the people that want the Trudeau Liberals to have a jihad against plastics. Why can't they say that, which is simply stating the truth, right? Well, because then that is an admission that a ban on plastic would hurt the economy, whether it happens now or happened later in a recovery. It would be an acknowledgement that this would hurt the economy, hurt producers, hurt restaurateurs, and hurt the consumer because eventually down the line that all gets passed on to the consumer. Um, you know, so it would it would be a stark admission of those things. But further to your point, Justin Trudeau didn't ha actually have to say anything. Yeah. He announces lots of things that he never carries through yeah. on. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when he promised to balance the budget. So, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The, the, the budget will balance itself, Sheila. I know, we're still getting around <laughs> to that. So, I mean, he could have made this announcement and then just quietly never done anything about it. But instead, he's actually more aggressive than ever on this issue. Um, because more than anything, Justin Trudeau is, uh, I guess, a puppet of the green ideologues yeah. around him. Well, Sheila, you know, uh, the biggest lie in terms of a phrase to come out of this pandemic is, we're all in this together. And uh, so my heart goes out to all those people in the plastics industry that in the months ahead might be getting a pink slip. So you'll be put on the CERB and uh, employment insurance, but uh, let it warm your heart that all the Trudeau liberals and the bureaucrats that serve them, they'll have their six figure jobs. No problem there. What a disgrace. Sheila, thank you so much for another great piece, my friend. Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. You too. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, somewhere in the hinterland of Northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Well, lo and behold, it is the Canadian National Day of Action. And uh, basically, the theme of this National Day of Action, as I understand it, is to take a stance against the Canadian government buying new fighter jets. It's for a couple of reasons. It's the, uh, uh, you've got people here who are part of the peace movement, so they're against war, uh, maybe even just wars. And then, of course, um, and I'm not making this up, it is the carbon footprint of those fighter jets. Yeah, it's kind of when you're standing up for liberty and freedom, uh, you don't want to harm the environment when you're doing so, I suppose. How dare you? So at um, several MP offices uh, across Canada, there are protesters gathering. And uh, hopefully we can get educated by these peace-loving protesters. I think that it's insane that we're spending so much money to promote a new Cold War. We owe so much to the Indigenous people, and yet we're spending it on warplanes, for God's sakes. We're doing it only because the United States is forcing us to. What are you protesting? I'm not talking to you. You look like a satirical figure, are you? But I'm just trying, I, I thought the whole idea of a protest was that... I'm going to walk away right now. Okay, Sorry, I didn't mean to hit you with the sign. Okay, I'm back with the person holding the sign that doesn't know why she's protesting. Cool your jets, support the Green New Deal instead. What What is the Green New Deal, sir? Uh, in Canada, it, there was there was something called... Uh, 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 I'm trying to think of his name. Is it is it just fighter jets or would... No, the whole military budget. Would you also be against, uh, I don't know, battleships, tanks, cannons? 
Any of those that are carrying weapons of mass destruction, yes. W w would you have said that World War II was not a just war, if, that we should have turned our uh, backs on our allies fighting Nazi Germany? I'm saying that no, there is no more just war. There never was. So when uh, Adolf Hitler was having a genocide against the Jewish people and others, um, you don't think it was a just war to go to war with Nazi Germany to bring justice to, to those people? I believe that many nonviolent means should have been used and were being used, even by Germans, young Germans. We've got many, many resources at our disposal. I mean, there's no need to be bombing and killing. Well, you're young communists. That's amazing. Were, were you out yesterday for the raising of the uh, communist flag of China? with you if you wear the mask. Oh, the people's voice. Can I have one of those? No, no. Why don't you move back? Keep the microphone out of my face. Oh, I think you littered. What is the people's voice, by the way? And also to all the parents out there, don't let your child go into gender studies. This is what you end up with. Well, there you have it. Yet another loony leftist protest in downtown Toronto in which not even the protesters themselves could articulate why they were brandishing signs on a sidewalk. <laughs> and as you saw from the threesome who made up the Young Communist League, they simply wanted me to leave outright as though the sidewalk was their own private property. Are these commies the only ones oblivious to the irony here? <laughs> In any event, here's what you had to say about one of the least significant protests of 2020. Steve Smith writes, these are just deeply stupid people. There's a certain percentage of the population that is uneducated and not very rational. Just ignore them. Oh, why ignore them, Steve, given that their stupidity makes for such solid gold entertainment. And you know, we could sure use some laughs these days, eh? Cole Thornton writes, as a military parent, these people don't have a clue our military is in serious need of any upgrade of equipment. Indeed it does, Cole, but these people would apparently rather have discussions with invading armies. Um, how well has that tactic worked throughout history? Russianbot1013 writes, I'm surprised your substitute teacher hasn't destroyed the entire military. Oh, give Mr. Trudeau time, sir. I think he's going to be in office for several years yet to come, unfortunately. High Caliber writes, Man, when I'm 90, I sure hope I'm not on a sidewalk making an idiot out of myself. Indeed, High Caliber, regardless of age, you'd think that people publicly protesting would be completely familiar with what it is that they're protesting so that they could publicize their message. That is the ostensible policy reason of staging a protest after all, isn't it? Well, clearly that wasn't the case with these nutters. Kerry Williams writes, loved the warning to parents, David. Well, thank you, Kerry, and hopefully parents will take heed of my warning. Hey, get your kids into the trades, folks. Some really great jobs can be found there, and they'll be way too busy working to stand on a, some sidewalk holding up a sign denouncing fighter jets and lauding communism.
communism. Devtron 9000 writes, you look like a satirical figure, are you? Says the guy in the cloth mask and a bicycle helmet to the fine gentleman in a suit. <laughs> well, thanks for the compliment, Devtron. But it's kind of sad that their default position is to resort to ad hominem attacks. Then again, if you have nothing substantive to say, shoot the messenger, I guess. And Zrexer1 writes, Winning invading armies will congratulate our Canadian armed forces on their low carbon footprint. Makes things so much easier for them. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll sacrifice our rights and freedoms, but we'll do so in a nation that is free of fighter jets and has a lower carbon footprint. That's a win, kinda, isn't it? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, Without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.